Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete. I wanna sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful and joy-filled life now. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have all of you joining us here today. I have a very special guest. I want you all to meet Leslie Grace. She is an RN and the Vibrant Journey Alchemist. She's also a soul mentor and a number one Wall Street Journal bestselling co-author who is sparking a movement of leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who are ready to make peace with their demons and unleash their full potential as the sexy, heart-centered creators and creatrixes of the most magnificent collective future we could ever dream of. Her approach utilizes a unique blend of psychedelic healing, Hakomi somatic therapy, and conscious sexuality practices, all backed by her own deepening practice of Vajrayana Buddhism. Leslie is no stranger to breaking free from limiting beliefs, having escaped her Catholic upbringing and former career in end-of-life care to embark on an orgasmic, revelatory journey with plant medicine. With over 15 years of intentional psychedelic exploration, she trusts her intuition above all else, making her truly an authority in her field. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. So exciting. I'm really glad to get to talk with you and yes, wonderful to get to meet you at the Transcendence event. And it just felt so exciting, all the layers of overlap. Yes, yes. Kindred souls right away. I think we have a common purpose just coming from some different angles in mind for people. Let's start with something easy. And something easy would say, tell me about how a recovering Catholic finds Buddhism? Like, how does that even happen? Where does that show up from? You know, did an angel fall out of the sky and deliver a note that said, hey, switch gears? Or was it something totally different? Great question. So, you know, I was raised Catholic in the Midwest, pretty conservative upbringing. And I left the church in my teen years. I just kind of was like, hey, something about this isn't adding up. That's not what I'm believing. But I always knew there was something going on with the universe. I was like, there's some intelligence. There's something mystical here. There's something more to discover. And during college, I studied biopsychology and cognitive science, and I was really wanting to understand the nature of the mind and consciousness and what is perception, what is cognition, how does this work? And at the same time, I was studying intro to Buddhism and Eastern thought, and it started to become very curious, like, hmm, what what is consciousness all about? And around that time, I also started experimenting with different kinds of psychedelics, but more so as kind of like a take some mushrooms and go to the woods with my friends kind of thing and started to have some experiences that that were like, okay, there's more to this picture. I hadn't yet really delved into it in a very conscious way, but it was enticing and showed me that there's a lot more to discover. And so I started meditating around that time and reading everything I could get my hands on and became a pretty voracious spiritual seeker. Around that time, I also read a book called The Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life very popular text. And and it really was talking about what is a bodhisattva? What does it mean to 
be a being who is really living their life in service to the world, in service to the awakening and liberation of all beings. What does that mean to to devote my life to others? And mm-hmm. that really resonated deeply. And I felt the soul calling on that path. I love that soul calling. Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm glad that you followed that calling because obviously it's bringing us to this point in time today where you get to share a little bit more about that. <laughs> One of the things that I love is this title, Journey Alchemist for Successful Seekers. Tell us what is a seeker? Who are they? How do you know you've met one? Or how do you know that you are one? Well, I'm meeting more and more successful seekers these days. Successful seekers, I think, are folks who they've really focused on career. They've really focused on creating the life that they want. They have really done a lot of work on themselves. They've really, they've gotten themselves to quite an impressive place in their life. And perhaps they feel like, okay, wow, they've, they're like 95% of the way to where they want to be but there's something else. You know, there's some stone that they haven't uncovered. There's some mystery that they have yet to really unfurl or, you know, some rabbit hole that they haven't quite begun to go down yet. I find that most people, no matter how successful they've become in business, uh, they may have the perfect life, you know, the family, the two kids, the picket fence, you know, everything, but there's some gnawing in their being. It's that deeper call, like, what is that inner life that I have yet to really explore? So... They're seeking for something. They're seeking for wholeness. They're seeking for a more vibrant existence, more expression, more joy, more pleasure. There's some like, "Mm, I really want to like grasp life fully. And they know that there's more and they don't quite know exactly where it is, but they may know like, hmm, there's something for me. Okay. I love that. I was at the grocery store the other day and this older man was in the dairy aisle and I'm standing there. I can't remember what I was looking for, but I'm standing there and he turns around to me and he goes, rich people have no problems. Everything in the world is great for them. And I was like, wow, that's a really random statement to a stranger in the dairy aisle. Yeah. Yeah. I was totally like taken aback. And I was like, yeah, I don't actually agree with that. I said, I think that money certainly gives people a lot of, lot more options when you have some financial security. I said, But I don't think it solves all your problems. I said, I think probably a lot of people would tell you that it gives you a new set of problems, just a different set of problems that you don't have when you don't have any money. He kind of turned around. And so I walked away and I was like, that was the most awkward conversation I think I've had in a very long time. And then I get in line. I know. And of course, here he comes and he's in line right behind my mom and I. And he says the same thing. I said, you know, I said, actually, I grew up pretty poor. I said, we were pretty happy. I said, money wouldn't have solved all of our problems. And I don't know that it solves all the world's problems. And I was like, and I think that it's elusive to say that money solves every problem or that people who have money aren't happy. Because I think this leads into part of that, right? I think that the first layer that we are all programmed to believe is that we get out of school, we should go make a lot of money so that we can take care of our family and that will solve many of our problems. And what I find more often than not is that can actually become a very lonely place because then sometimes people get stuck in, I don't know who to trust. Are people just with me because I have money? That becomes a whole layer of things. Or people are great at making money, but they're terrible with relationships. They can't find joy. So would you say that is also the type of person that would come work with you and come and have this experience to be able to maybe get down deep and figure out, like, how do we move some of these other... Yeah, it is real wholeness. We look at the Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like having your basic needs covered, having financial security, all that. That's one layer of it. But then there's like, wow, I want to feel really connected and safe emotionally in my relationships. Oh, I want to feel that sense of self-actualization. Like, 
who am I really as a being? What am I here for? What's my purpose? You know, these kind of deeper callings. And then with the Maslow's hierarchy, what we've all seen is that self-actualization is at the tip of it. But actually right before his death and the years before his death, he actually identified a new layer above that even, which is self-transcendence. And this has been part of my thought process lately around we all want to find happiness. We all want to find wholeness. If I'm just looking at myself in a vacuum, that's not actually wholeness. That's not actually what's going to bring me the most joy. It actually is going to bring me the most joy and fulfillment to be the best version of myself and then to actually serve and be connected to others and community and and the world and you know, kind of look beyond myself. So I feel like that calling to something greater is is what helps us be the most fulfilled version of ourselves. I love that. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is there's so much value and pressure people put on themselves in achievement. And so if a company fails or if they have to file bankruptcy, then they feel devastated because all of their identity is wrapped up in the value they bring in how they achieve or make money versus the value they are, that they exist, that they be. Well, yeah. and the interesting thing is that, you know, it all comes down to like what is motivating one's drive in the world, the drive toward success. You know, oftentimes those are strategies that are coming out of like some deeper sense of not being worthy as I am, not being lovable, not being enough. So I have to achieve, I have to reach the top of the mountain and then I'll be enough. And successful seekers have reached a fair amount of success and they're like, well, this isn't quite giving me that internal sense of well-being and fulfillment and love and enoughness that I always thought it might. So it's interesting because when people are kind of on their way up the mountain, they're on their way to that first big win or whatever, they think to themselves, oh, when I get there, then I'll be happy. But those that have gotten there and go, wait a minute, this isn't it, right? It's something else. I too used to be a high achiever. I was that like, I'm going to get straight A's my whole life. I'm going to be the perfect good girl my Catholic guilt, shame. I was like, ooh, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was a bad girl, but I knew I was going to like, I was going to get into heaven and I was going to just get every extra credit point and gold star. And, you know, it made me into somebody who's very industrious and I know how to get shit done. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But that's a strategy to try to yeah. get love. It's a pale comparison of the real thing. So. Yes, it's such a good way to put it. I feel like oftentimes, and I've been down this road, as I've shared with you also on religion and our upbringing and what we learn or what other people teach us Mm -hmm. about what love is or who God is or how we're getting into heaven. And there's so much wrapped into that that actually does fall into the, am I following the rules? Can I be a good rule follower? And can I be that good girl, that good boy? And what actually comes out of that? Like, how do those beliefs early on translate into the other areas of our life. And more often than not, I see a lot of actual unfulfillment versus fulfillment. So if you're terrible at following instructions or if you're terrible at following rules, then it's easy to throw your hands up and be like, well, I guess I'll never be perfect. I should just put myself in the center category and keep on going. One of the big misconceptions here that I think many religions where there's the sense of God is out there somewhere, somewhere else other than here in my life. It's this kind of transcendent, like I'm going to go up and out to get to the divine way over there, right? The modern tantric Buddhist path is really about like 
coming into the body, coming into our life. I mean, the medicine path is to see, you know, the sacred in all things, to see myself as an emanation of the divine. It's like, wow, we're all connected in this vast mystery together. It's not like God's over there somewhere and I should pray to that right. God. It's like, wow, I should pay honor and respect to all facets of my world, even the things that are challenging, even the relationships that have really shaped me in ways that were good or not so good, or, you know, like it's all part of the sacred unfolding and to see ourselves as part of that. So I didn't first have that recognition of life until I, until I experienced plant medicine. And mm, so that was good. really the first moment where I was like, oh, wow, there is a God and I do believe in God, but it's also me and it's everything and it's, and it's nature and it's life and it's love. And it's so much bigger than some conception we may have of some white guy in the sky with <laughs> white guy in the sky. I love that. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like I actually had a really close relationship with God since I was very young. Like I have so many beautiful memories of just feeling protected and knowing that I'm not alone, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not alone in my journey. And in addition to that, I think one of my most fascinating, deep, resonant experiences was actually my very first time that I sat with grandmother medicine. And that was very like, oh, wow, God really, we <laughs> held hands all weekend, you know, like it was just that level of intimacy with the divine. And that was one of my first kind of eye-opening experiences to like, oh, there's definitely more to life than, you know, like, Sunday school. Beauty, like heartbreaking. Wow. How could it be this beautiful, right? How could, yes. how could I be a part of something that beautiful? Yeah. Yes. And that we are all a part of it is really, really the beautiful part. Tell me what you wish you had known before you got into this work. What would I wish that I've known? Okay. I think I used to think that healing work of any kind, whether it's therapy, counseling, medicine work, this individual is going on their healing path and I'm this broken version of me and I'm going to improve myself. I'm going to make myself better so that I'll arrive at a better version of me. There's some truth to that on some layer, but it's like, there's no place to arrive to. There's no, and now you've gone from point A to point B and now you've arrived. It's like, oh, wow, stepping onto this path is actually more of a, I'm committing to continually unfolding. It's not like, oh, I got to race to the finish line so that finally I'll be lovable and enough and I'll feel my self-love and ding, I've arrived. I got my like self-love badge or something. It's like, oh, oh I'm choosing to continue to like over and over throw away any idea that I have about myself or life or what I should be doing. Or how should, It's like it's continuing to readdress, to redefine, to reformulate, to continue to transform like moment by moment forever. I mean, we're not going to stop transforming and evolving. There's no there to get to. You know, people sometimes right. ask me like, oh, if I do this psychedelic work, am I going to is everything going to feel okay? And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. It's going to be different. It's going to, it's going to evolve. It's going to, going to reveal more. But I feel like it's like layers of the onion and you peel the one layer that you're ready to peel. And then there's, oh, then there's something else that's there. And oh, that kind of changes everything. And wow. And then you kind of work with that layer. And then, oh, and lo and behold, there's more. And it just, it's like the never ending nesting dolls of evolution. I mean, this is where we're at. So. Sort of more like getting comfortable with the process rather than thinking there's anywhere to get to and then I'll yes. like, sing, be done. Yes. 
Yeah, we are very destination focused. I feel like that's also just programming. There's a destination to get to. There's always an achievement. There's always some trophy at the end of some path versus 